That's beautiful, Carrie. Mm. One drop of water. Thank you. Beautiful. So glad you're here with us today. I always love it when you're here on a Sunday. Good. Well, welcome. Welcome again. Um, I just want to let you know, if it is your first time here, that we do have some um, welcome packages there on the door as you on the table as you come in the door. So please pick one up and take one home with you. It's got a CD in there about our basic beliefs, a Science of Mind magazine, and a little information about who we are. So please take one with you and get to know us a little bit better. Stay afterwards and have some coffee or tea with us and some goodies. We'd love to get to know you a little bit. So welcome. Welcome. Before I begin today, I want to call up a wonderful young man, one of our young adults. The last two years, your board of trustees has been um, very supportive of what we call our next generation, of our young adults that are moving up, our emerging leaders. And last year, we were able to uh, sponsor two young women to go to the Next Gen uh, retreat. And this year, we were able to sponsor one young man. And he's going to come up and just tell you a tiny bit about what it was like and what his experience was. Aaron, you want to come on up? Reverend uh, Megan has your mic there if you want to grab it on your way up. So Aaron went a couple of weekends ago and spent it with, what, was there a hundred of you? Or how many of there was you? Yeah, yeah great. So tell them what it's like. like everything fell into place and I felt like I belonged there. Um, it was four days in Casadero, California. I don't know if anyone's ever been there, Sonoma County. But um, basically those four days, there were a lot of exercises like um, they had a goals exercise. So basically you had to write down your goals and all the things that you wanted to accomplish. That was a real good one for me. They had um, forgiveness exercises and I forgave a couple people, forgave myself for some things in the past. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a really good experience. It was definitely life-changing. Um, I learned a lot of information. I met a lot of wonderful people that were there. And um, the knowledge that I got from it, um, it, it, was, it was something different for me. Like the whole time I, I was there, I felt like my true authentic self all four days, like, I just felt like my true authentic self. And um, once the retreat was over, driving back, because I live in Salinas, so I'm driving back to Salinas, and I was trying to prepare myself mentally for going back to Salinas because it's a whole different environment from what the retreat was. So, you know, I'm driving back to Salinas, and the first day I get back, I'm mad because I can't find my license. And mind you, the whole time I'm at the spiritual retreat, the whole four days, there wasn't one single negative thought. And the second I get back to Salinas, I'm angry that I can't find my license. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I'm angry that um, the Wi-Fi is slow. <laughs> it's all these things that, you know, I wasn't worried about when I was over there, that when coming back, it was like, they're the biggest deal to me. So I think that... Um, the knowledge that I learned was important, but what's even more important is the application. Yeah. 
So the first day I was there, back, the first day I came back, I didn't apply what I learned. And I felt like I had to kind of rebuild myself in a way. But ever since then, you know, I've been growing and it's just been beautiful seeing how the retreat has changed my life. And to be honest, I don't know how much it has changed my life because I feel like the best is still yet to come. And, yeah. you know, there's still more opportunities for me. So I just want to give a thanks to yeah. Rev. Debbie for the, the, board of trustees. the scholarship, yeah. everything. Um, I think next year I'm going to pay my own way <laughs> through it <laughs> because I know that I'll be prosperous by then to have the money to pay for it. So I'm just forever thankful for the opportunity. So. We're so grateful you are. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. It's our joy to support those that are going to carry this message when we have all transitioned to another place, you know. So, so grateful for our young people that come and keep coming and are carrying this message out into the world. So grateful. Mm. So we are following along uh, this week with our theme, our annual theme, which is 100 Years of Science of Mind, Taking It to the Street. And this is the last week of June where we're wrapping up spiritual wisdom and how to follow it. Spiritual wisdom and how to follow it. And our talk title today is A Spiritual Chain Reaction. Spiritual Chain Reaction. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I want to tell you a story about uh, a couple who are celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary, Harold, Harry and Maud, Harry and Maud. And uh, they've been married for 60 years, and everybody was coming in for the big party. The kids were coming from all over, and they were going to have the big celebration for 60 years. And they were sitting on their front porch, you know, rocking on their chairs and just talking about life. And, and Harry looked over at Maude, and he said, You know what, Maude? I've been thinking about these uh, 60 years that we've been together. It's a long time. And I'm remembering in the 40s when we first got married, and we were young, and we didn't have any money, and we didn't know what we were going to do. And, and we rented that little farm, remember? And, and we grew the crops that first year. We really didn't know how to be farmers. But then the floods came and they wiped out all our crop. And, and we didn't know how we were going to make it through the winter because that was our money through the winter. And, and, and you know what? You were right by my side through all of that. And then I'm remembering in the 60s when we had that huge fire and it came down and it, it burnt down the, the, the pastures and we lost our cattle. And once again, we didn't know how we were going to make it. But, you know, Maude, you were right there. You're right there by my side through all of it. And I'm remembering in the 70s, he said, when that flu epidemic went through, and he says, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. I was so sick. And I'm remembering, Maude, that you were right there. You were right there with me. And so I'm thinking, Maude, I'm thinking you're really bad luck. <laughs> right? I love that story, you know, because the temptation is to blame those around us for what's happening in our lives, right? Where we're thinking that life is doing to us, where life is doing to us instead of life is doing through us. Life is doing through us. You know, we influence everyone and everything that we touch. We do. Throughout our day, throughout our week, with our thoughts, our words, our actions, you know, over 3 billion people are actively on social media these days. Over 3 billion people, 3.28, they say, people. 40% of the world population. 
spends their time on social media. You know, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of influence, right? When we talk about race consciousness back in Ernest Holmes' time, it's very different than our race conscious today. I mean, social media is a big influencer of all of us, all of us that are on it anyway. And um, they actually have a term for those that are bloggers and celebrities and, and people that have platforms on the various social media platforms. They're called influencers. They're called influencers because that's what they do. You know, and brands look to them to see what niche they might have or what group they're representing, and those brands will tag on to them in order to promote their product, right? So we have this big influences that happening through the, the, the use of social media in our world. You know, there's spiritual leaders that use uh, the internet. We have great teachers that have YouTube videos and TED Talks and webinars. I mean, you can see Marianne Williamson on, on a website. You can see um, mo many of our new thought leaders. You can see AG&T. You can see what they're doing, right? You can pop up YouTubes and you can Google and see and listen 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can get a message if you're wanting it, right? So we can have those sort of influences as well. You know, and then uh, we have our television, right, which uh, is also an influence, you know. What are we watching? You know, are we watching shows that are uplifting? Are we watching comedies? Are we watching things that maybe are educational? Are we watching National Geographics or the History Channel? You know, are we watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians? You know, are we watching the housewives of whatever, right, where we're tempted to think that that's the way that we're supposed to live. And we get into that mentality of keeping up with the Joneses, right? How can I be and have and do all that they have and be and do, right? And my heart breaks. My heart breaks when I see those shows and I see our young people watching those shows and I see that perhaps they're thinking that that's the way life is supposed to be, right? Those influences, those influences that we have in our lives, you know, what are you choosing to tune into? What are you choosing to tune into each day, each morning? Are you turning the news on first thing when you get up in the morning? Are you sitting and spending a little time with spirit before we go out into the world? What are you choosing? You know, the lessons we're studying this year are coming from this book, Living the Science of Mind. And the essays in this book, and I think I've shared this with you before, come from the home study course. Back in the 30s, there was a home studies course that you could get because we didn't have as many religious science or centers for spiritual living around the world. And so you could sign up for the home study course and you would get in the mail a package and you would read it and you would do the work and you would mail it back to home office they would send you the next one, right? And uh, so a lot of the essays, all of them except for two actually in this book, come from those home study courses which actually were written and put into uh, four volumes. They were called Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life, but they've been changed now to four volumes that you can get from um, our Science of Mind archives. You can buy all four volumes of what's called the extension course. So you can still get those courses if you're wanting to study on your own and learn and do a little extra. You know, but at the time of these writings, it was 1939 when the first ones were written, you know, and it was a very different time than what we have now. So some of Ernest's writings may seem a little archaic. They may seem not to be uh, contemporary or apply to today. But the truth is that every one of these principles applies today just as much as it did back then. 
You know, some of the themes are very much the same. There's a big uh, push to find. One of the things that our Science of Mind archives has done is they've taken all the old Science of Mind magazines and digitized them. The first magazine was written in 27. And they've digitized them and kept them all the way. I think they're up to 2012, getting them online. So you can go on there, click on it, and read those old magazines. They have the very first magazine that was published in October 1927, where there's an article from Ernest Holmes talking about visualization. 1927, 1927. But there's been a great interest in the magazines through the 30s and the 40s, because people are really wanting to know, what did Ernest talk about during the Great Depression? What did Ernest talk about during World War II? How did he talk about living these principles in those times? Right? So there's a big movement to find any missing ones that we have. So if you have any of those old sites on my magazines from 30s and 40s, the archives would love to have them so they could upload them. But there's quite a few of them that are on there. You know, and in this essay that we're looking at today, which is titled How to Create a Spiritual Chain Reaction, Ernest starts out by talking about the power of the atom. He's talking about the power of the atom bomb and how that power can be used to wipe out a civilization or how it can be used for good. And he compares that power of the atom bomb to spiritual power, that spiritual power that's within us. He says this, It appears that nature has placed before us the possibility of the greatest blessing the world has ever had or wrongly used, the greatest destruction. We happen to know of another kind of energy which we feel is even more important than the physical energy created through the explosion of the atom. And this is the energy of faith, of affirmative prayer, and spiritual meditation. There is no reason to doubt that in the field of spiritual consciousness, a chain reaction could be created which could bless the whole world. A very bold statement, a very powerful statement. That the power within us, the spiritual power within us, is so powerful that it can change the world. Right? It's a statement that I personally believe. I personally believe the truth of that. You know, and it is my desire to prove it in my life, to prove that these principles work. It's my desire. If I had number one list of my to-dos, that's it, to prove these principles. You know, and, and I think I shared with you that uh, that was the reason I signed up to do the year of study. I'm doing a year of study with Mary Mann and Morrissey. And that was one of the reasons that I signed up to do it, because I do not want to stand up here and tell you or teach you or talk to you about something that I don't believe. I'm not going to tell it to you unless I believe it's the truth. Right? Unless I've experienced it or known it in my own life. So I wanted to go deeper. I wanted to learn more. I, I, I was born a seeker. It was a thing I loved to do. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. So I love to read and I love to study and I love to go deeper and deeper with these principles. And what happens is we get to a place where we need to do the deep dive. Where we need to do the deep dive to be able to take it and use it and be it in our lives. You know? I asked Mary Morrissey one of the weekends I was with her, I asked her if she knew Carlton Whitehead. Because she was around with all those early New Thought people that many of them are past now. And Carlton Whitehead, for those of you that don't know, he was the second minister here at Monterey Center for Spiritual Living. He was here in the 50s and the 60s. And he was the minister that took the center from about 30 people to 300 people on a Sunday in a very short time. 
You know, what Mary Morrissey told me about Carlton, she said, oh, yes, I met him, and what I know about him is he was crystal clear. He was crystal clear. You know, and I've talked to some of you that knew him, and you tell me, yes, that was true. When he spoke, he spoke with authority. He spoke like a man who knew what it was he was talking about, right? And when we're around those people, when we're around people like that, we are influenced in a most positive way. We're influenced in a most positive way. You know, I'm sure that we've all had that experience of being around somebody that when you are around them, you just feel good, right? You feel peaceful or you feel grateful or they just bring with them that good mojo, right? It just feels really good to be around them. You know, Mary was sharing a story about being with the Dalai Lama. She was invited to the talk with the Dalai Lama, I think, three times. And uh, she said that's what it was like to be with the Dalai Lama, to be in those conversations. She said she just wanted to sit next to him, you know, hoping it would rub off a little bit, right? Because that man is doing his spiritual practice, right? He is full of the divine. He's a clear vessel. He's a clear channel, the Dalai Lama. You know, it was said of Gandhi as well. It was said when you're around Gandhi that you had that feeling. Vincent Sheehan, he wrote a book, Lead Kindly Light, a book about Gandhi. And he said that Gandhi would sit quietly in groups of sometimes up to a million people. Up to a million people. And you would feel the presence. It was called Dashan, which means the united spiritual force of a great multitude. And he said, Vincent said, when he was in that group, it was though he was bathed in some refreshing stream of life. And he could feel it in a group of a million he could feel it, right? It was also said of Jesus. You know, Jesus was uh, one of those where, if you remember, they said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be healed, right? That he had that sort of presence, that presence of what I'm going to call God, I'm going to call spirit, I'm going to call the divine or love. Just that presence of love, Right? You know, we're all a vital part of creation. Gandhi and the Dalai Lama and Jesus are no more important than you are. We are all part of the whole. We're all pieces of the puzzle that fit together for this one planet, this one world. You know, a world that works for everyone. A world that works for everyone. Ernest Holmes says, this is an example of how spiritual reaction can work. It reaches out to all around us and sets in motion a chain reaction to which there is no limit. To which there is no limit. He says, he goes on to say, it is wonderful to realize that we can sit in the quiet of our own being and consciously direct a power greater than we are for a definite purpose of helping ourselves and someone else. And so this power that we're talking about is real just like the atomic power is real. This power is real. It's not a spiritual theory. It's not a hypothesis. It's a real, true power that dwells in each one of us. We have access to unlimited power. We have access to source, direct access. And again, as Ernest said, by our affirmative prayers, by doing our meditation, by taking our time in spiritual practice, that can grow and grow and grow within us. 
So we are a clear channel, so we are a clear influence to those around us. I'm going to read this paragraph because I think it's so beautiful. It says, if you would bring happiness to those around you, you must first become happy yourself. You know that contagion when you're around people that are just happy, right? But before you can become happy, something has to happen to you that causes you to know that God is right where you are, that good is the final power in the universe, and that love is an all-conquering force. You have to have confidence and self-assurance. And this kind of confidence and self-assurance comes only through having proved to yourself completely that there is a power greater than you are, that it is a power for good, that it is available, and that you actually know how to use it. And the only proof you will ever have is what it does to you and to others. Right? So proving, proving those spiritual principles, proving that this power is real. You know, many of you I know have had profound spiritual experiences. Many of you have had demonstrations. We get to talk about that in class, which was one of the fun things about class. You know, each week if somebody has a demonstration or one of these principles showed up, they got some uh, unexpected income or there was some healing that took place or some relationship that was healed, we love to hear about demonstrations, you know. And the board of directors of our practitioner core, we've talked about putting together a book that you could write in your demonstrations or some place where we could gather all those maybe a little box where you could put in where you had a demonstration because one of the places where I think that we could do better is sharing these stories sharing these stories with each other of yes this does work and it works in my life right I don't have to be a Gandhi for it to work right so we need to get that put together we need to get that put together so we can have a way so see me if you have some great story some demonstration something that happened to you let me know talk to me about it I'd love to hear about it and I'd love for us to share it with each other so we know that these principles work so we can continue to know that at a deeper level Ernest Holmes he says Jesus took the ideas of faith and prayer out of the realm of speculation and theory and put them into the realm of fact and experience. Right? Jesus said, all this and more you can do. He was talking about us. All this and more we can do. That's what I'm wanting for each one of us, for each one of you and for myself to be able to take these out of the field of possibilities and put them into the field of Yes, to the field of already done. Check that off. It works. Yes. The laboratory in which we work is our own mind, says Ernest. The instruments are our own thoughts, and the method is affirmative prayer and meditation. If you want to start a chain reaction that will help those around you, realize it must begin at the center of your own being. In you. He goes on to say, we must be careful to avoid thinking that we are not important. We are the most important person in the, in the world, living, as far as we are concerned. This is not egotism nor conceit. It is a simple statement of the conviction that each one of us is rooted in the living spirit, that we have access to the mind of God and the love and the power and the peace of the spirit. Each one of us is the most important person alive, right? Each one of us. Each one of us is a vital, important piece of the whole. We are vessels through which the Spirit operates. We have within us all the power there is. 
You know, we are not all God is, but God is all we are. There's no piece of us that is not spirit. Because if spirit is all that there is, then that is all we are, right? There's not God and anything else. There's only spirit. So we are spirit. All that spirit can do, we can do. So live from this conviction. Live from this knowing. Practice this this week as you go out. Practice being. Practice being that presence. Practice being that influence. There is a presence and a power within us and for us and operating through us. A presence and power that knows no defeat. I encourage you this week to get to know it and to use it. God bless you. So glad that you're here. Thank you. Thank you.